Welcome back to What Have You. I'm Rachel Jankovic. I'm Becca Merkel. We should probably start over and introduce ourselves. We definitely like, should. Like, like we thought, guys, that we might want to start a podcast. We're sisters. <laughs> we live in Idaho. We have... Why well, don't I even know the math <laughs> on how many kids we have between us? <laughs> 13. Well, now you now have in-laws. Yeah, like... Yeah, no, we don't even know. We, we don't have even to know get out what we're whiteboard. doing anymore. We don't know. So exactly, but life. Suffice you may it to have say noticed. that life has been no lazy river. <laughs> it has no, been no. more like shooting the rapids. Oh, always. Luke read some book about them. Oh. Lewis and Clark. You know, oh, yeah. and there was a phase where the guys uh, decided that they were gonna. There was some part in the river where they were like. It's probably best if we just try to shoot the canoes on down it. Yeah. And they didn't let any of the guys who couldn't swim, which surprises me that any of them couldn't swim while they were handcraft canoeing down the rivers. But they had seven couldn't swim. They weren't allowed to do it. Then they took their best swimmers, put them in these canoes, and they're like, best of luck. And apparently the Indians lined the banks to watch them die. Well, like, yeah. and in a remarkable yeah. way, they, they, they fired through it in canoes and wow. nobody did die, but it wow. was not a, it was like going down some moderate falls. You know what I mean? Right. Like, no. Right. <laughs> and I feel like that's been, sometimes we do that. That's trick. been what we did this spring. <laughs> <laughs> and if you all were on the banks waiting to watch us die, <laughs> worst of Surprise. luck we lived. <laughs> Surprise! We came out the other end. A little, a little. We might have lost for wear, but we might have lost a few dearly beloved items. (laughs) (laughs) But here we are. Oh, I know. Yeah, it has been a bit of a trip because I went and looked. Well, in my phone, I didn't make a special journey to find out. But when I just opened this Mm. app, I could see. When our like last one, to call us our to... last one was in April. April. Oh. We are now in the midst of well, June. Guys, that just says that we're qualified because we're living. We're yeah, living well, the life. We just passed Lex and Bell's first anniversary. It was like two days ago, and that was one year. And I now have three children married, and. I'm going to be a grandma. <laughs> that happened also. And so Jemima is quite, well, she's a champion. She's not as sick as she could have been. But she's still, you know. She's not loving she's, food. She's, yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's very exciting. Life is screeching along. We've been out of town for weeks and months and years is what it felt like. Also, Rach, I don't know if I told you this, but I did make a mental note that we should talk about it on the podcast. Okay. That's Ezra contributing his thoughts. Yeah. Ezra's here with us today. Mm -hmm. Special guest appearance. Um, so we were in Israel and there were places that we knew in advance some of the like holy sites have modesty rules. So I knew that you had to have your shoulders and your knees covered. <clears throat> and I took along like five dresses that I had made because I felt like they would pack 
flat and be comfortable and be like one outfit that you didn't have to worry about. Anyway, you know, like t-shirt fabric. And I, they went right below the knee and they were kind of like cap sleeve size, you know, on the shoulder. So my whole shoulder is covered. Now, if you've ever tried to define shoulder, you know, that's a trick. Mm -hmm. It's a trick. So I, I felt like my shoulder was covered, but my upper arm was not, you know, cause it's more sure. like out here and, but we all had like wraps or whatever. So if anyone was in shorts, then they could tie it around their waist or put it around their shoulders or whatever. So it was all fine. And we had done this at a few places and then we were going to this next site, which was on the sea of Galilee. And it was supposed to be where, you know, um, Jesus had the coal fire and Peter was restored and that whole thing. And we go in and we, we thought in the bus, the, the guide said, I, you don't need to worry about that on this, on this, at this site. So I had left my wrap in the bus as had some others and people were getting kicked out by this monk right and left. I mean, and I walked right past the monk and like right past him and he didn't do anything. So I, you know, I felt completely fine. We go down to the Sea of Galilee. We're like reading you know, a passage. I feel like I need to back up. Okay. The monk? Yes, because I'm a like, lot of... Yeah. I feel like I know that there's a lot of variety in yeah, Israel, yeah. but well, the so, monk sure. is still something so, that is taking There's a, me a lot minute. of Catholic and Eastern Orthodox yeah. Like oh, yeah, because Nate has that spectacular yeah. story about his... So there's the Armenian Orthodox, mm-hmm. there's Greek Orthodox, there's... You okay. know, Catholic. So who's controlling this? Now site? I don't. I don't even know because I. I think sometimes they they have like dueling right, churches like and they chapels take different times. on the same. Yeah. So anyway, I don't even know. But he was in a brown dress with a rope belt, so okay. it was that level. It was Friar Tuck who I walked past. Okay. And um, so anyway, we're down at the Sea of Galilee, and it's just you know, like it's kind of impressive, and it's also like you know what. The thing is, it's not that big of a place. So if it wasn't right here, it was like right over there, you know, so it's a very, you know, you're, you're kind of thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and then, um, we're reading the passage together and then he's like, you know, if you want to go down and look at the water or whatever. So we like walk down to the edge of the water and I am standing like up to my ankles. (laughs) And out of nowhere, here comes the monk stomping towards me. And he goes, lady, you are sinning. And he hands me this black scarf and tells me to put it on. And it was like, wow, okay. Did you ask him which, lady, where am I sinning? Well, it was Was clear that it was the shoulder. No, my knees were covered and, and, um, and my shoulders were I thought we had covered that, but no. So anyway, that was rather hilarious. And also then a fish like chomped my foot right at the same. <laughs> at first it was like, oh, look at the little minnows. And it was like, whoa, that's like a, and it came, <laughs> they came and were nibbling our feet right as a monk came and said, lady, you are sinning. And so it was quite hilarious. So I put on this black scarf and, and was like, okay, right. Well, pardon. So, 
the thing though, the thing that I meant to bring around with this is that I actually kind of loved it because the thing is, is that every single tourist is doing it. It was kind of like, you have to cover your shoulders and knees. And so everyone does, and they all put a wrap on and yeah. nobody's like throwing tantrums of how could you dare to oppress me in this way? And I was thinking what was so interesting is that here in the States, well, I would think just the Western world in general, the, the community has to bow to the individual. So it's like, uh, someone can wear whatever screaming awful thing they want and they can make everyone uncomfortable in the whole city but the city is not allowed to say anything about it because to do so would be a wild you know like a wild violation of that person's individuality and rights and it was so interesting that there it was like you won't wear that and then everyone's like oh I guess okay. I won't I won't. And you, it's also so cultural, though, because uh, Americans are actually, surprisingly, this is an interesting thing that I had not thought of, but we're rude. Americans are rude, and um, they're not afraid to say things or be combative, but it almost always goes in the direction of, I will be the individual, I will stand up for my right to do yeah. this. Yeah. And very not approved of in the other direction. Like, so a school secretary that makes the girls put on a sweater if they're sure. Oh, that, she's the villain. That she's sure. the villain. She's the villain. The individual that, that is like, well, I Stands am against not the tide. going to do what you said. And I'm going to wear a strapless dress. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that person is kind of like, see... Yeah, that's the direction we allow the rudeness to go. But there right. are cultures that allow everyone allows for domineering rudeness, cut from authority figures sure. down. Sure, and it, I think that's sort of part of the mystique of but what you have going I, on. But I did, I did think it was just an interesting thing where there the individual wasn't allowed to just express themselves in whatever way they wanted. It was like, no, no nobody gives her up. It's like, mm-hmm. no, not here. You won't. And so mm-hmm. lady, you are sitting. And I felt confident that I wasn't, but I also was like, not going to throw down and no, have a scene no. over. It's like, Oh, sorry. I'll put that on. And it was weird. How, but the men too, were not allowed to wear shorts, Bethany, you know, like in the, just in specific sites. Everyone's knees were Everyone's knees, everyone's shoulders. Wife beaters would not have been called for. And so, anyway, it was just a really... I felt like it was just an interesting glimpse into... The monk was was his own little set of... You know, he was just a... Yeah. I Plus, I think he was the one I walked right past, which means... I don't know why he didn't say something oh, first. It's probably, I probably like a lifeguard that he yeah. just quit paying attention for a minute and me <laughs> let it slip he's by. He's like, whoa, what's she doing down what? there? Sinning on the Sea of Galilee. <laughs> it was amazing. But I did just feel like, you know, I'm not, I'm not advocating for us instituting monks who go around accusing people of sin. That's not what I'm saying. But I do think it's interesting that there are contexts in which a whole bunch of Americans are like, oh, sure, I'll put that on. You know, like, it can be done. It is apparently possible 
in the world to have a modesty something without it being a too much of a scene, mm-hmm. you know? That's really, it is really funny. Like, modesty is like one of the great, one of the great open wounds of well, America. Well, yeah, because the thing is, <laughs> if anyone like, was even to say, America, there is something stuck in there, and it is yeah. a bad juju And that if we anyone have going says on. women ought to, for instance, cover their shoulders. Then what they find then out is that we think women ought everyone to. Everyone wheels around rage. and accuses the men of wild lust problems and tells them to guard their hearts. I don't know, because I've started to think that sometimes, like, okay... I have this theory, like, that it's not actually so much that, um, well, okay, whenever you say anything publicly, you find out what everyone thinks is the most common ditch for people to fall into. Um, and I, like, I, there, it just seems like whatever you say, because when I say something publicly, when I, like, write an Instagram post about something or whatever, I'm almost always trying to write to what I believe is the majority of yeah. my audience's yeah. likely problem. I'm, I don't write to the, I don't aim for an unlikely one-off that I think yeah. might be happening yeah. somewhere. Right. Cause it, right. it just, there's no, that would be weird. Yeah. It would be weird of me yeah. to try to target things that I don't yeah. know are happening. Anymore. Yeah. Uh, and so, but the responses is always everyone acting like you have no idea. Now, sometimes I really wonder if there just are so many people that we do so many different weird things yeah. and that there are circuits yeah. where this would have been the common. Yeah. But well, cause there definitely are weird, aggressive, legalistic, moralistic, uptight, modesty hounds who are the worst. Right, and who act like the body is something to be ashamed of and who talk like men are uh, just lechers on wheels that can't control themselves. Except for I will say, it often turns out that in those sorts of communities it is like psycho. Well, it is like a little mold farm of that exact problem. Well, that is where you end yes, up with the but hideous. I, I think scandals. what I meant is, I'm not in the world at all yeah, where no. people think that men can't possibly control themselves, no, no. so women have to bear the weight of yeah. No, that's not where we with live. our modesty. We yeah. know, I'm, and so people, but people knee jerk the whole, the whole. Um, as we're spending a lot of time on the on we say on the phone with the complaints department. <laughs> yeah, this is this is. <laughs> um. So. Yeah. No, it is true that those those little communities exist, mm-hmm. and. But uh, those, I, I'm not those familiar are, with yeah, them. Yeah, we're not in them. Um, and we so have some, every once in a while you see something, but you know what I see? This is. Um, and sometimes I wonder, I'm like, is this just a total one off or like what is even happening? But lately I have been seeing women recommending one to another all the time that we all just get earplugs to better cope with our life with children. Oh my gosh. What? Get yourself quick. Hasten thee to plug up your ears. And I, Whoa. I, I feel like there's so many layers of odd in that. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Isn't that weird? That's I know this because it keeps getting I'm sorry, I'm trying to text one of my children and come get the my fussy child. He just ate. He's not happy. Um Yeah. Um I think the thing is I I kind of have big thoughts about that. No. And I don't like I am not a Can person. Can you pause it for a second and I'm think, just gonna yeah. take Let him me in. Pause it. Oh, look at okay. that. I think it's actually Sorry working. about that glitch in my yeah. um, fuzzy baby. Okay, so I was saying, but I don't know. Sometimes you wonder, like, you start seeing moms recommending earplugs to everyone all the time. And earplugs getting suggested to me all the time. And then I you start thinking... It's an epidemic of everyone well, using the thing is, I don't want to. I don't want to start drawing lines where scripture has not drawn lines. So let's just put this as me speaking, just with my own little pet hates that I'm about to talk about. But, mm. um, I do not think that the cocoon life that everyone has these days is good. Where it's like I have my own things in my ears and nobody else can hear what I'm hearing. I'm watching things on my phone where nobody else can see what I'm seeing. It's like you have people Mm -hmm. who are in the room together who are living completely different lives. And I'm not saying you can never listen to an audio book if you're a mother, but I kind of hate it that you have, it's so common for moms to be like, they're checked out and in their own world, even if they're going around in the same like, room as their even kids. Even right this minute, are you listening to our podcast? <laughs> um, but I think that the earplugs is kind of the, well, that's the obvious next step. If if you're tuning things out all the time anyway with other stuff, yeah. why not just drown them out with silence? And so I do think that there's, it's not like there's anything wrong with like having your AirPods in. But there might be something wrong with having your AirPods in. And it maybe is worth thinking about what is a good balance there yeah. in life. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? I mean, it. I'm sure it was the case when we were kids that you could have had a mom who was just on the phone with her friend with all her, day. With her four-mile phone cord. Yeah, like all that could have house. happened, I'm sure. And she could have ignored her One kids. thing I remember noticing when my kids were little, and it's still true, it's just that... It's less of a thing when they're not little. Like, okay. there are times when I feel like, um, where I feel like it's not, everyone's busy, everyone's off doing stuff. It's just mm-hmm. not the kind of interaction that I had to have with the kids when they were little. Sure. Uh, but being on the phone was like, I can remember just being like, man, it makes a difference requiring everyone to be mentally present in our actual home and our actual mm-hmm. relationship mm-hmm. was really, really healthier and better and way nicer than if I was allowing them to mentally check out by watching a show. And if I yeah. was, cause, cause this is a thing I actually, I think we all know this, the time when you're really not in the mood to do stuff and you're having a hard time getting yourself going a lot of the time, one of the best things you can do is call someone because then you're talking about something else while you get sure. going on your yeah. work and you get some yeah. momentum going and yeah. whatever, and that can be helpful. But it's a weird crutch 
to be like, I can't be mentally yeah. present in my, like, because what I'm talking about, sometimes I think it's just a pure gift from the Lord that We've you can Moses. listen to something or go do something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, hi, sweetie. No, I gave you guys stuff to do while I was out here. So you go look. I want you to go. I think there was a box that needs to get in the garbage. Look for some stuff to break down and put in the back of the truck. Okay. okay. That's what you're going to do, guys. <laughs> break down some garbage. Um, anyways, basically what I'm saying is that it's just a gift to have one of those. Like a cup of coffee yeah. is a gift when yeah. you're just not being awesome and you needed yeah. some help. But yeah. my point is to become dependent on... My kids can't get through a day without entertainment of some kind. Sure. And I can't get through my housework without checking out mentally somehow. Yeah. And I can remember thinking, even if my kids were down, like playing in the playroom, if I was mentally elsewhere, things were going on yeah. that were not... And if I was just actually in, mentally in the home, like mentally engaged in what's happening, so much better and so much more... Like we were building a right relationship in a lot of ways. Like my mm -hmm. relationship to the housework and the kids' relationship to me and the kids' relationship to each other was all way better when we were present in it instead of well, checking out of it. Okay, so this is, again, this is me just wandering about in speculative territory. But how many women feel kind of weirdly trapped at home where like it seems like going and having a career would be more fulfilling or it would be like mm. that's where real life is happening or whatever. I wonder how much of that is a little bit self-inflicted because of those kinds of habits because uh -huh. how well would it fly if you had a job and you were in an office if you just spent the whole time texting with your friends or you know, like listening to audiobooks or watching movies on your phone. So, like, in what kind of um, right. corporate setting would that be acceptable performance? Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know what? There probably are some jobs where you you're a required to few. sit on a bench and wait till the train comes in, at which point you're gonna turn on the flashing light. I, that yeah, might that yeah. might be a thing. And so maybe there are jobs where it would be not you slacking off. But for the most part. If you thought about an employee behaving in this yeah. way, or would you while like on to, the would clock, would you like to pay someone to do that? Or if that's what your husband did all day long at the office, or yeah, yeah. that's what the girl that you hired to clean um, was doing the whole time. And so you just wonder if maybe you thought of your job during the day as a mm -hmm. little bit more important, and you didn't spend all that time in weird distracting other things. Uh -huh. Maybe that would actually change whether or not you felt like it was valuable work that you were doing. Mm, you know what I mean? That. Yeah. <laughs> but also just, are you setting any, like, I don't mean this super formally. I just mean informally. Are you setting goals? Are you like yeah. pursuing, yeah. like getting better at certain things? Or are you like, I was thinking about this today because I was driving to Lewiston so I had some time to sit and reflect and I was wondering if like that whole thing of pursuing goals or whatever setting goals I was thinking about how important like imagination is in that 
you know, like, like the role mm-hmm. of your creative imagination, but how much a creative imagination can also just be an anchor that you tied to your foot and now you can't get anything done because your, your weird imaginary goal mm. is in a pretend world. It's like you can't, there are no steps to take you from reality to imaginary world. So you're stalled out all the time. Like I actually think that's a great point because we were just talking about this the other day at home about something else, but how sometimes people use goals as comfort. So yeah. like yeah. where you're like something is uncomfortable or not, um, or you're not liking, like something is being hard for you. Yeah. You know, there's some kind of like, say you want to lose weight or yeah you want to be a better homemaker or you want, you know, whatever you have something that's kind of being hard for you. So you set a goal off in the distance because the setting of the goal feels like doing it. It feels like you get some of the satisfaction out of being like, I'm going to be, you know, by so-and-so's wedding, I'm going to be, you know, three yeah. sizes smaller. And, and then you imagine this, yourself And then you think, see, I'll there. feel better. You get some of the satisfaction. I'm thinking how this is going to yeah. feel and what yeah. this is going to be like. And then what's interesting is it's a way of, often it's just a way of deferring the emotional bomb. Yeah. Like yeah. rather than just taking yeah. small unglamorous steps yes. to be yes. like, you know, what's not glamorous. Right. What's not glamorous is just not doing that right now or doing this instead or making small incremental moves. I think the thing is, so like, let's say that you know that you have to have dinner on, you know, it's like mid afternoon, there's no food in the house and you're going to have to come up with something by six. Right. So what are you going to do? What action are you going to take between now and then? And of course you're like, it, it doesn't feel like a dream life. It doesn't no. feel incredibly like just how you imagined it always being when you were married, but still you have to pick something. You have to pick the goal yeah. and then you have to run, do it. You're going to have to either make a weird omelet with the stuff in the fridge, or you're going to have to go to the store or you're going to have to quickly order and pay express, you know, delivery. I'm or, getting really like, good at that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, so, so basically like, you know that you've only got limited options here and you're going to have to pick one and you're going to do it. That's what it's like to actually have a goal in reality and then take action to achieve that goal. Mm -hmm. But then there are other sorts of things where you imagine up this life where everything is, I don't know, clean and organized and well you certainly it don't have a headache smells in that life. nice you never it do smells good you never visualize the day where you can barely yeah. get going and You've your pants feel too tight really good clothes in your closet always everything is and and in that little life now there are ways of breaking that down into like no okay that's that's a real realistic thing and i'm going to take actual steps to get there but if you paint an imaginary thing there actually is no path to that, but there is a way to sin in reality <laughs> over that. <laughs> and you so, don't say. And, and because goals and everything are important and necessary and, well, impossible to live without, 
then I think we can sometimes confuse the real goals with the imaginary ones. And the real goals actually take imagination too. You know, like you have Mm -hmm. to have a creative imagination in order to pick something you want to get good at and figure out how to do it and figure out how to implement it and all those things. But that's like you need that creative imagination to give you wings. But sometimes you strap it on like a like a little anvil tied to you and we we don't no, you can't imagine how that idea could ever fit into the real world. Or you trick yourself into thinking it is the real world. Yeah. Well, and I have okay, back when I wrote Loving the Little Years, this was my peeve in many ways is that the old people would talk about being a mother as either a super romantic idyllic um poofy hair and a gibson do with a arched rose (laughs) and a battenberg gown that you're holding an infant beneath wicker is definitely involved it's probably the art of 80s birthing rooms if they had decorated them in the 80s but they didn't i don't think but if they when they came around to doing it yeah um, I remember the covers of books, you know, like the the nightgown clad woman sitting um, in a field of flowers with an infant. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. Big time. Um, sunbonnets were going to be involved. It was <laughs> Straw hats, a, probably. Yeah. It, yeah. Not a sunbonnet. That I would think be... I was thinking that that was a sunbonnet, but I don't know why. <laughs> I think because... I'm picturing sunbonnets, too. I know. I know. I, that's... <laughs> yeah. I see... I see how... I said something weird. But anyways, the point the point is sun hat. Yeah, there you go. Wow. Okay. <laughs> anyways, what I'm trying to get at is that it it was like this idyllic where people would say things that really feel like it never touches down in your actual life. It yeah. and Christians fall into this often because yeah. Christians are not wrong that we have a life of the spirit that is not actually yeah. um, is not actually yeah. understandable from an earthly perspective. So they tend to get soaring to heights of unreal, sentimental, um, sentimental, dream um, just craziness scenarios. about what it's like <laughs> to have a child. Yeah, um, and and you know, like so, and just a big deal. Anyways. The thing is, the the cold hard reality is that it's actually very real. When you have mm-hmm. children, you're going to actually be doing a lot of really real things. And all the mm-hmm. way back then, in the um, all back then in the day, there was only people writing that kind of thing, or people doing the like, let's be real, it's all boogers and. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, and toods, and we're mad, Dirty and I laundry. need earplugs, and you can't believe how hideous this life is. So nobody was saying these are the real difficulties and the actual things you have to learn yeah. to deal with. At the same time, as it is worth this, yeah. and and the problem is, is I think that that is still very common in. Christian circles in all kinds of areas and Uh, women, women who have been given eyes to see the importance of things can slip like Bonzo into talking about it. Like they've never faced an obstacle in it. So like, for instance, I think that that happens when people talk about marriage. It's what happens when people talk about their homes. It's what happens when they talk about raising children, like people who have 
oftentimes, and I, I sometimes maybe they're naive or being hypocritical. I don't know, but I don't think always. I think some of the time it's genuinely that God has given them the eyes to see that living faithfully will produce generational blessing it will produce beautiful Mm -hmm. moments and things that are worth and then they think to accurately represent that they're like well i'll put a post of this about this beautiful moment at my kitchen sink on instagram where i will explain and then people get like this is so unrealistic yeah because of course they would know of course they've done this they know that there are the times when Right. The sink stinks and the stuff yeah. is not good and you're behind and there's no food in the house right. and the flies are bad yeah. and, you know, yeah. they know that. But they don't, nobody, it's a hard thing for people to do those things at one time. I have, I have an analogy. So, you know how, well, this is probably a wild generalization, but you know how people write these articles or, or books like French women don't get fat where you're like, I'm sure that some do, but I take your point that there's a difference. There's a national difference. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I remember seeing something years ago about the difference between how French women approach beauty and how Americans do. Yeah. I remember and that. I think that there's something a little bit, we do get a little swept away about how the French do everything perfectly or the Italians do everything beautifully or the whatever. But set that aside for a minute. I think there's a really good point here. And our, this article The one person was, we're sure that doesn't do everything beautifully is, is America. Me. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, um, it was talking about how, like, I do think that Americans especially tend to think like, okay, that one sort of look is in. Like, like Angelina Jolie back in the day, everybody thought she was so pretty. So what do we all do? We start lining our lips way outside the edges so that we can look like we have fat lips too or oh. or you know what I mean like that yeah it's like I Meg shall... Ryan and Jennifer Aniston being responsible for haircuts the world over yeah but it's also like okay that ideal I am going to try to copy pay no mind to the fact that my mouth is shaped nothing like that I'm going to try to fake like it is yeah and then um think of how how filters on our phones can do this do it for us now where it's like you don't even have to have that you can just adjust it and put it on Instagram but I think the the point of this thing was like French women make they they make the most of whatever they have so if they have you know whatever a large nose they're going to embrace it they're not going to try to like contour it away (laughs) you know what I mean or or if they have Whatever You know, like, they're going to... The thing that makes them them, they're going to play it up. They're not going to try and cover it up or or change it or whatever. Sure. Now, whether or not that's accurate, I'm not sure. But let's just go with it for a second. I think that that is what you're describing, is that there's this idea that, like, oh, the real beautiful life looks like this, so I'm Mm -hmm. going to have to... Have everything be pretend and fake. Or I'm just going to wallow in everything's a lie. Everything's a letdown. Everything's whatever. Where 
I think what like this you is need all to too do hard and it's is you need and to. Nobody told me it would be like this, right. and I thought it was gonna be some kind of a spiritual right. But ecstasy that's to see. But that that's like have. instead of like, let's just go back to the analogy. That's like deciding I'm never going to shower again, and there's no point in putting on makeup anyways. You know what I mean? Where whereas what you need to do is like look at your life in what it actually is, and then make that beautiful. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, it doesn't mean don't wash your hair or don't pluck your eyebrows or don't, you know, whatever. But it means, like, look at it where it, like, what it actually genuinely is. And then don't try to paper over it and make it into something that's not. But also don't just give up and don't try and make it beautiful. Yeah, we lived when we were little. We lived in a little duplex that mom despised when we were little. Mm -hmm. Like, she really. Mm -hmm. Well, I didn't know that at the time that she despised it. I know it in retrospect. I think it was like the only place that they could find. Mm -hmm. However, it worked out. Yeah. And she did not want to move into that place. And then it was the only place that worked out, and they moved in there. And. It was also turned out to be a spiritually super fruitful little place that they lived mm-hmm. where they, I think their next door neighbors were saved and the, you know, mm-hmm. the other people yeah. in the duplex and somebody in the same little cul-de-sac also like it ended up yeah. being like God planted them there yeah. in a place that really changed the trajectory of a lot of lives yeah. that they were there. But I remember her saying she just had a mood about it all, I think. <laughs> And somehow being convicted of that is yeah. why she planted all those tulips yeah. in that front. And it's funny because I remember the glorious, the red and the yellow tulips yeah. of Pat, like just this wild blooming happening in front of this little duplex that was not cute. You know, like yeah. it was a little uncute spot. Yeah. And, yeah. and it was like something that she just, that it was a moment of saying, where am I actually? And how yeah. can I love the place that I am? Instead of being like, I don't want to waste yeah. planting tulips here because sure. I don't want to be yeah. here very long. Yeah. But you know what I mean about like the, like, I do think the lengths that people go to, to make their face look utterly different than it is, is a problem. And then people who just don't ever try whatsoever in any regard, that's also a problem. It requires that you like be grateful for the situation that you have. And then you maximize that mm-hmm. rather than this weird pretendy thing. But in order to maximize it, you don't just have to have a good attitude. You also have to have a creative imagination, but you've got to keep that creative imagination under control or it will gallop you off into the pretend world where there's nothing but resentment and disappointment because you can never have that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like it, it, like the sort of false expectations or the false reality that you've created in your head that then makes you resent the details of this <laughs> this life. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think the fact that it is a good idea to be creative and to set goals makes you feel like, well, what could be wrong with this? Because right. surely you have to do that in order to live. So I don't know. It just feels like it needs... I think that we ought to probably all take a much harder look at our imagination or our sort of ideals. I think there's also something to be said for... Nate riffs on this a lot that like 
Christians aren't allowed to hate spiders. Whatever. Okay. I, that's his argument, not mine. I dislike a spider and <laughs> I think that they are from hell. So, <laughs> not... No, that's false also. Whatever, I'm exaggerating. But my yes. point, my point is, his point is anything that God so manifestly loved, like something that God made and created and that there's incredible yeah. artistry in it. And, it's, yeah. and it is also, or like, what is it, like beetles, that there's mm-hmm. so many beetles that mm-hmm. God clearly thinks beetles are of interest, like that this is an interesting thing. Yeah. I mean, it's something that God did. And I think part of that is that we, were we left to our own devices, we would choose something, probably not the same flavor as a Thomas Kincaid painting, but yeah. much, much, much more like a big, a big uh, place with no difficulty, darkness, evil. Mm-hmm. We would think mm-hmm. a beauty to us would not include spiders and beetles and difficulty and stinking garbage cans and that like we would Mm -hmm. have edited a lot of things that god put Mm -hmm. and it and it there's something so right about submitting your imagination to god's like yeah and and recognizing that like of course we're supposed to imitate him but he's better than we are at this and it also just means like some people though say god created the stinking garbage which means i'm going to just spend my days at the city dump wallowing in the i've never heard of that person but they do it about movies that's what i'm i'm (laughs) metaphorically talking about that where it's like, it's yeah. sort of like, I'm just going to be dark the and gritty sinister. underbelly of everything. Beauty is, what is a lie, yeah. you know, uh-huh. and it's like God did create garbage to get smelly. That's why you have to take it out. You yeah. know, it's like, but, but the thing is, is that God created the garbage. The, well, at least after the fall, things are going to be getting <laughs> smelly, but he created that. But he also created the people that are supposed to handle it. Right. So th- a big, the people who recognize, I've got to get this stench out of here yeah. and come up with ways to do it. Yeah. You know, it's like, And I think that that's the thing in your own life and in your own imaginary world. Recognize the things that are actual problems and figure out ways to overcome them. But don't get mixed up and think that you can just write your own version of reality that is not subject to the, <laughs> the woes of this one. It's an amazing, it really is an amazing, uh, nonstop, like, what God has you always working on. If you're, like, invested in in doing a good job in your yeah. home, which I hope we all are. Yeah. But it is really funny how many times I feel like I've been back through the same chapters where you're like, once again, do I know how to meal plan? Yeah. Can't remember Apparently what not. we eat. How Apparently do I feed not. people? What am I doing? When yeah. am I prioritizing yeah. what? And how am I going to get this done? And mm-hmm. like, and mm-hmm. it really is an endless, that is an endless quest as mm-hmm. far as mm-hmm. there's always ways to bless your family more. There's always ways to steward your resources better. There's always ways to be learning more things that make, you know, like, like none of us are going to master the yeah. field of no. cuisine. No. And no, I mean, like no. there's so much to learn and do and yeah. work on. We have, um, 
just as an offhand aside, we have a Pandora station. This is not important, but my point is when you're playing Pandora, the ads come on. Yeah. On the loudspeaker through the home. <laughs> right. And there's one right now that is like for, um, I think it's for counseling. Okay. I think it's to get yourself a therapist online. Okay. But it's an amazing little, like, is your life in balance? And it was like, make a little list of how many things you do for other people and then a little list of how many things you do for yourself. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you need help getting more in balance. Like, get a therapist now so you can stop doing stuff for others. <laughs> you know, I know. It's so weird. But the, but the assumption that is in there is bizarre. Like, that you ought to be one for one. It reminds me of the old little women. You know, the okay, old, isn't... Yeah. I dislike sure. Little Women, but whatever. There yeah. was an old Little Women movie that we watched when sure. we were little, I feel yeah. like. Mm-hmm. Did it involve Elizabeth Taylor? As Did it? It could have. What I remember, like she though, was, was the Amy the character. There was some time when they go to a poor people's house, and Amy, they have, like, popovers or something. Okay. But Amy is feeding the poor children, but she's giving each different kid a bite and herself a bite every like she's she's eating okay half of yeah. the half of what's getting doled out is going to Amy. And anyways yeah. the point the point that I make here is that there this plug for your online therapist is basically to help you be Amy in that circumstance. Oh, I know, I know. You know, like to help you be the one who's like I just did something for you now I have to do something for me. Now the thing is yeah. I see that some of these people on Facebook. And I know that there are people who've gone through awful trauma. It's true. There are people who've been through a lot of bad stuff. But one of the things that I think is making it worse for everyone is that they are believing lies about how to fix it. And so, like, worse, I just... not a little this worse. This is like... A lot of worse. I probably have told this story on the podcast before, but Ben uses this as an illustration when he talks to freshmen. But, um... Sometime in his in his college days, he got a wicked cold sore on his lip, and a friend <laughs> a friend told him what would make that better is nail polish remover. Like if you just put nail polish on it, nail polish remover on it, that'll clear it right up. So he does. He dutifully dabs nail polish remover all over the cold sore. And of course it feels like the end of all things. Like it's it's like a horrifying pain that is the so he feels like that must mean it's working. Yeah. So how could it not be so doing great continues, things for me? If it doesn't sear yeah, my face off. So he continues searing his face off for days. You know, like twice a day he's doing this. And of course it's not getting better at all. And, you know, it turns out that that's not the way to treat yourself into a healed lip. (laughs) And I think that some of these people, like, I'll see them like, I am never going to stop choosing myself first. Thank you, Jesus, for caring that I always pick myself, you know, and you're just like, um, wait, 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 wait. Like I, you're having a bad time. But I think some of this might be because you're putting nail polish remover on it. It's like this is... I'm not saying you don't have a cold sore. I'm not denying the presence of the cold sore. But I don't 
think that what Jesus would have you do is sin your way out of it. Since you're talking about trauma, this just reminds me of another. Since you talked about Ben and trauma, Luke, Luke almost Speaking of blew ben up and trauma. Well, Luke almost <laughs> blew up a um, Chicago restaurant when he was oh, yeah. a teenager, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and it was a gas fire. Anyways, whatever. It was a complex story, but. It wasn't his fault. When I say he almost blew it up, he was just the man who was there when the gas line... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And he was trying to turn it off when he remembered the pilot light and it got... And it lit up and he got flash burned all over his face and arms. And, And so he... But he went to school. Nonetheless, he went to school the next day after having to go to the ER and getting... So he has like burn... Whatever kind of burn treatment is what is all over him. He has, like, gel and okay, stuff. So sure. it's like, he's burned all over his mm-hmm. face. No eyebrows. <laughs> uh, yeah. And his arms. Yeah. And he, so he has, like, bandages and gauzy mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and um, probably some kind of antibiotic yeah. all over himself. But at the same time, his brother was uh, trying to run some kind of high school campaign for student body president where it was whatever. So Luke got roped into holding a sign that's outside of chapel. So he's this burn victim with a sign that says, don't get burned. Vote for uh, Mongol, I think. is who. So he's standing there. And a yeah. girl came out and just lit into him. And it was like, Luke, this is not funny and she was like there are people who really get burned and (laughs) and just freaked out at him for not being sympathetic enough to burn victims and you know there's a lot of things to think about in that right there because you're like but what I was going to say is that's there's a version of that that happens all the time which is people are like these stupid church ladies think that they can tell people how to deal with real trauma and And one of the things that I always want to be like is those ladies that you're so casually referring to, many of them have been through things that are more gnarly than what you have been through. So when they say, like, here's how you, like, you ought, you need to forgive. Yeah. Then they're not saying it from a position of no Mm -hmm. background. Right. Like, they're, like, just, many of them actually are the burn victim. Yeah. And yeah. and we're turning it, but the trauma yeah. thing is everyone. Trauma is um, it's a real. There's been a lot of inflation around the term. Been a lot of that. There's been, <laughs> and it's become a real hot commodity. You oh, know, yeah, and and it's big business. I oh, mean, yeah. they want us all oh, to get yeah. an online therapist real fast exactly. to help us out. Exactly. And I'll tell you, I think getting an online therapist is the kiss of death for most situations. Oh, I can't imagine it improving things. No, I'm not saying there are people who don't need therapy, but like commercially available, uh, go sign up and just say, yes, give me a a Christian one. You don't know what kind of thing you're signing yourself up for. Definitely not. Not recommending it. Definitely not. I think we're talking on and on and on. We are. Um, what do you have any hot tips? Oh man. Um, take a wrap with you at all Mm -hmm. times. If Mm -hmm. you're going to go to Israel, actually, I said that facetiously, but it actually turned out to be quite a useful thing to have when you're traveling because like when you're 
somewhere and it gets cold all of a sudden. You're like, oh, I actually have this wrap in my bag. Well, it was yeah, really nice on the plane. It. And it packs flatter than a hoodie, you know, like you just mm. keep it in your purse. But I didn't really mean that as my actual tip. But but there it is. But there it is. You did it. I bought a really cute one in Greece for the same reason. Like we were away from my suitcases. Yeah. We were eating outside. It was a little bit chilly. There was a shop right there with this super cute wrap. So I grabbed it. And I have actually gotten my money's worth out of that because I used it on the plane as like kind of a little light blanket. It was nice. It was a good idea. Mm. Wraps for the win. What's your hot tip? Um, um, my hot tip. Okay, weird. No, I don't know. That's really a tip anybody really wants. But... It's a good lunch option. Give it to me because I've got no ideas. It's a pasta that's not. It's Zen. Yeah, the name of the pasta brand is Zen B. You have to order it from them, from the company. Okay. Uh, well, they probably have Why it on Amazon. Why do you uh, do it? Because. Why do you special order it? What's its trick? Because it is only made out of yellow peas. It's like, Whoa. it's yellow peas. It's uh, it makes a pasta, but and the pasta is good. It ta- it has the mouth texture of actual pasta. Like it okay. has the right bite, and it's not like weirdly slippery or like sure. it's like okay. good. But the one that I have bought the most of is pasta agil. It's like a quick cooking. Okay. So I will make like chop up some zucchini and saute it with a little salt and pepper and. When it's starting to soften and everything, I'll throw some water in it. So it, and then okay. you just pour the dry pasta into it and stir it for a couple minutes. It cooks in like two or three minutes or something. Oh. So I will just do whatever veg I have mm-hmm. chopped up and then throw a little bit of the pasta in it, cook it, and put, throw a little Parmesan on it or whatever. And it's actually really filling and good, but it's all. It's a lot of protein and not a lo- not as many carbs as a regular as a regular pasta. That would sounds be. really good. And it's not, yes, yeah, so it's not wheat. It's just mm-hmm. yellow peas. But if you have a reason that you need to cook for people who are not eating gluten, which I sometimes have to do yeah. at the same time as I cook a big mm-hmm. whatever, because this one kind cooks really fast in sauce or mm-hmm. in whatever, mm-hmm. you don't have to boil another pot. If you get the quick cooking one, you don't have to like boil a separate pot of another kind mm-hmm. of pasta. You can just take some of the sauce aside and throw some of the noodles, yeah. add some water and throw some noodles in it. So, so I'm a, I recommend that. The, that one, the pasta agile, that's like quick pasta. It's, it's the one shape of noodle that's like, it's okay. like half of a macaroni noodle sure. uh, lengthwise okay. and it's thin. So it's not like the most elegant looking yeah, pasta yeah. you've ever seen, but it, I don't care because it's right. what I'm eating it's for just lunch. A random lunch. Well, yeah. I have another random tip that I have not yet tried on my own, but when we were in Israel, we stayed with a couple of other couples which was super fun an extra day because they had this great idea which is I guess when they travel they find um a cooking class that does like local Mm -hmm. food which is a brilliant idea and I would never have thought of it so anyway we stayed and did that um the more well we didn't really stay longer I guess we kind of did it was the morning that we flew out we did this cooking class 
and it was Israeli street food and it was amazingly delicious and I'm super excited to try everything but I have not yet tried it but the one thing that I felt was genius is that we chopped a bunch of like cilantro and parsley and things for various whatever but we saved the bundle of stalks and oh, didn't yeah. throw it away and then he made this amazing I can't remember what he called it Yemeni salsa or something I can't remember but it was like olive oil and a bunch of fresh lemon juice and then the stalks of the cilantro and parsley oh, like nice. all whizzed up into like a pesto like you know spread which was really delicious sounds good and I'm getting I, a text that the baby yeah. is very sad oh so uh, the baby's very sad okay well Okey anyway dokey. guys until next time have fun bye bye Aww.